HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper-awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chopper Iwan. And I'm Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD and the author of Simply Cocktails. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning, uh, critically acclaimed podcast that helps green gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today we're talking about maybe the thing that I've been most annoyed about. Yeah, that, that I've that read that it makes me really annoyed all the time. I really used to love to have a drink before going to bed. I thought the nightcap was one of the best inventions in the cultures of the planet. Turns out it's not as as grand as I had thought initially. And today, Ryan, you're going to help us try to understand why it's... Uh, I think most of us lately during the pandemic were reading all these articles about sleep hygiene and it tells you not to look at screens one hour before going to bed. It tells you all these things. And a constant thing that I kept seeing there was don't drink alcohol. And uh, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah. So let's talk about sleep to begin with. So as you fall asleep, there are two big stages. You've all heard about the REM sleep or rapid eye movement. This is when someone is dreaming. And part of that dreaming stage is that they're also essentially paralyzed. So you may see some fluttering of the eyes and a little bit of twitching, but that person cannot move. And it's a good thing. So that way, if they're dreaming about throwing a football, they're not really throwing a football in their sleep and potentially hitting their sleep partner. Yeah, so that's so REM sleep. And then the, and the other type of sleep is called non-REM sleep or it's called in-REM. Or you'll even hear terms like N1, N2, or N3, depending on how deep of sleep mm. that person is in. And so we just keep that in the back of your mind. Because for the rest of this discussion that we're going to have, we're going to go back and forth between REM and non-REM sleep. Awesome. And the non-REM is where I could throw the football. In, in theory, yes, but you're probably also going to have sleep paralysis. And usually when you're just starting to fall asleep, that's when you get kind of a shaking leg. And then you might see things like demons for your 
and then but not be able to move and then you get deeper and deeper into sleep did you just say demons yes do you want do you want to tell us about how your sleep looks angels demons all, all sorts of fantastic creatures not just specifically <laughs> demons <laughs> Yeah, so usually in the first 10 minutes of sleep in one, that's when you might start hallucinating and, and seeing things in your room. Wait, wait, and that you, is normal. You're seeing right? demons as you go to bed? Yeah, it usually is described as being something scary. But but no, no, I, I, like, I'm, like you He's specifically see demons? No, no, I, I get the shaking leg. That's what I get. <laughs> okay, okay. Java, demons? No, well, what I, I, I mean, I see all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to disclose what I see, Lou. That's really? very personal <laughs> stuff. What the hell? No. Ex-girlfriends. Yeah, hey, 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 Anyway, so. Yes. So you, you're right, uh, Java. People have known for many years that if you drink alcohol, you're going to get tired and you can go to sleep. And so the very first study done on alcohol and sleep was back in 1883. That's as Whoa. far back as I could find one. And what the authors concluded at that time is that larger doses of alcohol cause someone to fall asleep earlier and more deeper, but they become restless later and the total duration of their sleep is not as good. Mm. So, okay, because it, that, that is the one... Uh, a friend of a friend told me that sometimes when he was very stressed and he knew that he was not going to be able to sleep, one good approach is to go out with your friends to a bar to drink a uh, quantifo, like, you know, a, a nice amount of beer or whatever, and you're going to sleep like, like a kid. But you're right. Next day, you are a mess. And it's not only hangover. It's just like you didn't quite rest it as you had expected. Yeah, so... On de back in the caffeine episode, we talked about how caffeine mimics adenosine. And so mm. caffeine blocks up your adenosine receptors, and therefore your brain never gets the message that you're supposed to be tired. Well, alcohol will inhibit adenosine's reuptake, and so now you've got more adenosine available. And so that extra adenosine is also going to tell the brain, I'm tired. And that's one of the reasons why alcohol makes you feel tired. Mm. So that's why day drinking is the worst possible idea you can have like that lunch break, two beers, not the best idea you, you can have if you want to go back to work. Yeah, I don't know. So it's crazy because in a lot of cultures, day drinking is, is pretty common. And so it's nothing for like French or Spanish people to go and have a glass of wine during <laughs> lunch and go right back to work. One of the craziest things I've ever heard is how Spanish surgeons will drink alcohol <laughs> for lunch and then go right back to the operating room. So avoid uh, surgery in Spain is what you're saying. Yeah, I just thought that was absolutely nuts that that would happen. But that is one of the things that I found along my journeys of, of uh, people who go day drinking and versus people who go for the nightcap. But if you want to take like a good solid nap on a weekend, then you're saying like a, a 9 a.m., uh, I guess a morning cap with your breakfast <laughs> would be the thing. Well, as we discussed, so you will fall asleep, but it's going to be pretty poor quality sleep. So I'm not sure you're going to get nap. much use from that nap. Okay, well, but... But I mean, you just want to be lazy. That, that, that is okay. So I guess here, what we're really trying to figure out is quality of sleep, right? We are we're right. getting to the conclusion that just the fact that you're in bed and you're unconscious doesn't mean you're resting, and Correct. that alcohol somehow messes that resting quality of your sleep. Yes, uh, and I have the suspicion you want to go deeper into this, right, Ryan? Right. 
So there's a device called an electronic encephalogram or an EEG. And this is where little wires and electrodes get placed all around the scalp and it's used for things like looking at seizures, for example. But it's also used for measuring someone's sleep quality. And this is where we found the different stages of sleep, the N1, N2, N3, and REM sleep is from EEG studies. So if you were to get someone drunk and put an EEG on them and watch them sleep, what you're going to notice is that they have decreased REM sleep. And so, especially as the night goes on. And so that decreased amount of REM sleep is going to inhibit things like dreaming. It's going to inhibit things like the kind of restfulness that you get from, uh, from sleeping. It's going to inhibit things like the memory formations that you get from sleeping. Memory and so, for me. wow. Yeah. So part of your ability to form memories comes from sleep. So you've probably pulled an all-nighter at one point in your life trying to get ready for a test and how three days later you don't remember anything from what you studied. Yeah. That, kind of part of it because you didn't sleep appropriately and, and did not get to have permanent memories or at least long-term memories from what you were studying. Jesus, that's why every time I've go traveling, I remember so little out of it. Like, <laughs> Why? Are you awake the whole time when you're traveling? Well, yeah, because you, you're having like crazy schedules and you're sleeping very poorly all the time when you're like, you're, you're traveling like crazy. Jesus, okay, no, that's, that's pretty, but specifically, you know, like you're saying that it's disturbing Oh, Jesus, it's because. And what part of alcohol is the one, the, the biggest offender out of this? Is it is it ethanol itself? Like if if there's an alcoholic, is it different to an alcoholic to a uh, you know like like somebody that is just an occasional drinker? Like I'm I'm a little bit confused of why alcohol is such a big offender here. Yeah, so there have been a couple of studies on even various types of alcohol. So one that I found looked at scotch versus vodka. And so, and these participants are usually given pretty hefty amounts. We're talking half a gram per kilogram of body weight to even up to one gram per kilogram of body weight. So someone like me, I weigh around 70 kilograms. That's going to be seven grams of ethanol. And so you're talking like five plus shots of vodka all at once and then trying to go sleep. And so this one study that looked at scotch versus vodka ingestion showed that it didn't matter what you took, uh, people regardless had problems with, with sleep quality as well as in this particular study, the volunteers were wearing oxygen meters on their fingers. And so they had levels of oxygen desaturation throughout the night. So kind of like what sleep apnea uh, folks deal with. So you're talking about like an induced sleep apnea state that occurs just from drinking your ethanol. Whoa. Okay. Okay, and okay, so I think we're getting to some conclusions here. Like, obviously, it's it's messing your capacity to even form memories. For God's sake, it's uh, it's it's messing with how deep you can sleep. Is there anything to do with also the calories? I don't know where I read that. I know that's not in 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 the study. Sorry, but uh, I also <laughs> read that. I mean, ultimately, you're consuming a certain amount of calories through alcohol, so you're giving yourself energy before going to sleep. Does that have yeah. any possible impact? Well, so the question should re really be, are you getting the calories from alcohol? Or are you getting it from the mixer? Mm -hmm. So if you're drinking straight shots of vodka, yeah, there's some calories in it, but there's not really anything like carbohydrates in it. And so it's going to be a pretty poor energy source as mm -hmm. opposed to if you're drinking daiquiris and margaritas, which are going to have tons of sugar in it. And now you are getting lots of carbohydrates <laughs> from it. But still not a great calorie source, just a calorie source. Right. So, right. You're, and, and then the other, you get into other problems with sleep. So you're thinking about things like if you eat a big meal before you sleep, you might have problems with things like a, uh, acid reflux. 
And so some people can't even go to sleep after eating a big meal. So that now you're getting into a confounder of, is it alcohol by itself that's a problem? Or is it alcohol plus the food that's the problem? So Yeah, it's the context where you drink. I was thinking about that. Yeah. I Like last Saturday, I went to, to have some beers to a place that they opened around my house. Amazing mm-hmm. place, just... Uh, super specialized on lagers. They only they only do lagers there, and they're delicious. Uh, and I was with, with with a group of friends, and Jesus Christ, we ordered one plate, and it was literally half a kilogram of meat. And I'm like, <laughs> how does of this? Meat? Yeah. <laughs> and every like, I mean, I looked around me, and everybody was on a date on the place. It's like, can you imagine being on a date, eating that crazy amount of food, and then drinking beers, and then have wanting not to be disgusting in front of the other person? Uh, like, well, that's that's a pretty broad assumption. What? <laughs> maybe that you don't want to be disgusting in front of the other person. Well, I just I, I just or, thought it was, that was like very counterintuitive. I, I think bars should start changing their menus. Uh, like, like they they should have a dating menu where you're not gonna be. Yeah, disgusting. Well, maybe maybe you want to eat a pound of meat because you want to show dominance, and that's how you impress someone. Oh Lord! Ooh. Oh Lord! That that is it's primordial. I, I I think that is absolutely the worst freaking idea ever. <laughs> and I mean, talking about terrible ideas, uh, is there? You know, like we know that alcohol, when drank in pregnancy or in certain kinds of uh, sickness of your life and whatnot, can have long lasting effects. Uh, yes. Is there anything related to sleep that yes. uh, that is connected to that? Yeah, so I found one paper that looked at newborn babies of women who had either consumed alcohol during their pregnancy or had smoked marijuana. And these newborn babies were also given EEGs during sleep and watched. And what the researchers found is that women who consumed alcohol during the first trimester of pregnancy, their babies would go on to have sleep disturbances. And so you're talking about drinking and then during the first trimester and then months later having a child who still has problems sleeping. Jesus. I mean, I, I, I hope this doesn't come like the wrong joke to make, but uh, in Mexico, this cartoon, a meme, became really famous where uh, a baby is born and he looks like all the hangover, like has all the hangover cues on him. And the doctor is like, I'm sorry, ma'am, your son was, uh, was born hangover. And yeah, so it's it's not only a joke, it it can actually sort of happen if if you look at this. Sure. But but I, I think to Chava's point, is it possible that it could also uh, have those kind of long-term consequences to the mother too? So now well, if you're talking about alcohol-related brain changes permanently, possibly. But that would be more than just one drink a night. Right. So you're Right. So this particular study looked at women who had consumed alcohol or smoked marijuana during their pregnancy, at any point during their pregnancy. So this was not following the mother's long term. Mm-hmm. And OK, so I, I guess like this should be a uh, traditional question for you after we've gone through all of the basic stuff. Is there any study that you found that it was weird that was about trying to understand what alcohol does to atypical people or a, a people with atypical conditions. All right, so well, we can talk about insomniacs. So a, a group of insomniacs versus not insomniacs were given alcohol uh, prior to sleep. And they were, and, and the way that the study design was set up is that the participants could choose however much they wanted to drink. And what was interesting is that uh, the conclusion was insomniacs chose to drink more alcohol 
before going to sleep than the non-insomniacs. And so the insomniacs, the people who would complain about not getting enough sleep, paradoxically did things so that they could not get enough sleep. Hmm. But you think that comes hmm. also out of desperation? Like I, I, I've had, I, I rarely have insomnia, but every time I have insomnia, I really, really try to do anything to, to attack it. Like I, I, I'm not thinking long term, short term. I just like I just want to fall asleep right there. So maybe yeah. that's part of it. So you're talking about self medication, which is <laughs> yeah. what people do a lot of times, and and sometimes it can be harmful. So examples would be things like taking Benadryl to help sleep. And yeah, it'll knock you out quickly, but is that really the most restful sleep that you should be aiming no. for? Yeah. I mean, this, it, is, this happens. Mm. You're right. And, and so you're talking about, specifically in your case, you're talking about insomnia, but self-medicating happens to a variety of conditions. So examples would be if someone has a mental health illness and is thinking that maybe marijuana or CBD oil will help with the depression or will help with the chronic pain. You know, there's pretty conflicting evidence about whether that one does anything and then two, what are going to be the long term effects of that? And so you bring up an important point of self-medicating is probably not a safe thing to do, especially if you don't know what you're doing. And you should if you're really having a problem sleeping, you should probably see a sleep specialist at that time. Yeah, and not drink modelos. But OK, so I think we should get to the part of the recommendations, the conclusions. So if you were to tell people how to drink to get a restful sleep. Uh, it yeah. seems that nightclubs are not in this equation. Uh, <laughs> Probably what, not. What, what will be the well, approach to have, uh, yeah, to chill? To a nightclub would be great, just so long as you're dancing and not drinking, right? Yes. Uh, yes, Luke, maybe in Indonesia, but that doesn't quite happen <laughs> in, in my country. <laughs> so, yeah, It takes a few hours for your body to metabolize everything that you consumed and then get rid of it. So if you're going drinking, usually the my advice would be get that drinking done earlier in the evening and then don't try to consume a nightcap. So now that you've started drinking, let's say like 6 p.m. or 5 p.m., you've given your body time to metabolize all that alcohol and then you can go to sleep, hopefully not still having ethanol inside. Mm-hmm. God, like what you're talking about is literally the opposite of what happens in a bar every day. Oh, yes, of course. But what so, happens so, in pulquerias okay. every day? Pulquerias open at 8 a.m., they close at 8 p.m. Yeah, but like isn't the pulque, and you know, maybe this is just because <laughs> I'm never up very late or never drinking very late, but it seems to me that normally at a pulqueria, your drinking is getting done pretty early yeah. and finishing pretty early. Yeah. Whereas with, with the bars in the U.S. or even really just standard bars in Mexico or anywhere I've ever been, you don't start drinking until the evening. And the later it is, the more drinking that happens. So are you saying that the propensity of people who are going out and actually go like purchasing spirits, like purchasing drinks at these bars are doing the wrong thing? Yeah, but most of the show is about people doing the wrong thing. So <laughs> that is very accurate. <laughs> wow. Okay. So realistically, if if that were the case, everybody going to bars would be a wreck. I mean, in essence, I think what you're saying, I think what you're saying is it could be a problem. Not that it is a problem, right? Well, so, well, it is a problem. So you're going to get drunk. You're going to fall asleep because you're tired. And then as the night goes on, you're going to get poorer and poorer quality of sleep. And so you're probably going to feel rough the next day. One, from your hangover from the ethanol, but two, just because you didn't sleep very well. 
I mean, that's your choice. If you want to go do those things and if that gives you joy, that's fine. Just realize this, that's out there. There's actually studies about that, Lou. I, I think long time ago, I saw like how much money is wasted if you were to measure efficiency of workers uh, without drinking last nine. And that calculated for not only hangovers, but also poor sleep. So it's, it's, yeah, it's but- not that the world is not tremendously aware of this. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think it still comes back to, this sort of reminds me of the episode about the, the shrinking brain, right? Which is, you do, I mean, even you, Chavo, like that freaked you out enough that you were spitting for about a month and then you stopped, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm still spitting sometimes. And you started swallowing again. Yeah. Still spitting sometimes. Okay, I I haven't seen you spit in a alcohol, while. Alcohol, alcohol, like yes, I, I spit yeah, no, the I know alcohol. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, you know, it it gets me back to the the idea that okay, look, this stuff can can be bad for you, but in moderation. In moderation, can it be bad for you? I mean, I I sleep great. I've never had insomnia. Yeah, and, and so all these studies that I'm looking at, they they had much higher um, amounts of alcohol than typically I would consume at night. So, like I said, five shots of vodka and then try to sleep in a sleep study. So I'm not going to drink five shots and immediately try to go to bed. So maybe you're talking about a much smaller amount that you're going to dr- consume, Lou, and then you're going to go to sleep. Right. Well, you know, my recollection is you said you have one drink a night when you drink. Right. And so... Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to get drunk, and I'm not going to feel a hangover just from the small amount that I consume. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, I, so I, somebody, but but my point just being, somebody somebody who is consumer is consuming alcohol at a moderate level does not have to be worried that they're damaging their sleep, right? Possibly, and also. My definition of what is moderate might be very different from somebody else's definition. So they yeah. might say Fair. three three drinks or four drinks is, is a moderate amount for one night. And if I drank four drinks, I would be carried home that evening. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. Well, I think we got into to a few, uh, a better understanding of this, because honestly, I, I think I was so stupid in the past that I really thought that it was mostly the calories embedded in the alcohol that was that were making me restless. So I think this gives me a little bit more insight into this. Thanks again, Ryan, for enlightening us in precise and uh, meaningful ways. Anything you want to say, Lou? Hey, just love the new book, Ryan. Everybody (laughs) should check. What's it called again? Simply Cocktails. That's it. Everybody should check Simply Cocktails out. Chido, Juan. Adiosito, jóvenes. Hasta pronto. Thank you, guys. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.